Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did I just rage? Oh shit! I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I mean, there's <laughs> so much to go over. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I just have a new segment. There are three items. I'll spring it on. I'm you. so excited. Uh, it's. Is this? This is. I mean, other than you talking about going swimming, which I don't know how interested are. I didn't. Are. <laughs> I didn't well, I gonna, well, so I do this Wednesday farmers market now in like yeah, saw the kind tweets. of far out in Connecticut, yeah, and uh, saw well, the, no, tweets. The, the tweets. That's a real Christian girl summer tweet on your part there. The squash. Ooh, look at the summer squash. Yeah. I was standing. Nobody talks to me except for the other vendors. You got to know this. Um, so I have a lot of time to just look at the shit. I'm trying to take one picture every time of something that looks cool on that day, right? Really? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this like a life thing you're doing? No, it's just like when a... I'm at a farmer's market or a carnival, just to be like, those are, int- it's not like a trade show. I wouldn't do it at a trade show because it's fucking boring. But like I did a street fair on Nor- in Norwalk on Saturday night and I'd got this fried pizza and I took a picture because that's like the thing at that thing that's right. been going on for decades. Um. And then if I have to work at a farmer's market, look, I'm from a small town, Dan. You wouldn't know it in your mainland ways. <laughs> you're, but yeah. You're from, a, you're from a town that, like, as of today, probably has a population of 70,000 people. No. Are you kidding like, me? 
I'm talking about like to, I'm talking about like on right now, like July 27th. Uh, there are 70,000 people on the yeah. island total. No, mine probably has like 12,000. Most of them are other towns. Um, but yes, it's well, right now it's the, the, the Martha's Vineyard it's summer population. It's as engorged as it will be. It estimated is estimated to be 200,000 people smokes. on Martha's Vineyard right now. Holy That's smokes. the I estimate. I thought it was like 150. I wonder, yeah, West is really, okay, so maybe we have like 30,000 in my town, which is a lot. Fair, fair. Yeah. Fair, fair point. But fair anyway, point. what I thought you were saying, and I think you actually maybe stumbled into some real like uh, Instagram life coach style genius. Uh, you know, if you like, you know, for everyone who's trying to live in the moment and uh, appreciate the small miracles of daily life, take one picture of something you really like a day. Yeah, I think I think, Brian, like you can turn that into a self-help book. You know, my you, phone you can become like a self-help grifter is already starting to like, I, feed me these things like uh, hold, on, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, I'm. I'm 100 percent serious about this Hold right on. now. I know you are, guys. We're we're gonna keep all this. This is the monsters of socks, <laughs> and we're just going. Go ahead. All right. Here's what you need to do, okay? And you're a good personality fit for this, and you're a good uh, writing voice fit for this Thank because you. you're not afraid to to be open and raw. I was Visceral. pretty raw last night. <laughs> yes, you were. We'll get to that. But listen, what you need to do, Brian. I think went a little bit too far, but my point stands. <laughs> you do okay. I'm gonna, but you, that's never gonna happen to you again because I'm about to. I'm about to change your entire emotional mindset and the way you live, I and I'm gonna change your financial fortunes. Here's what you need to do for the next 365 days. Or you can you can wait and start on January first if you want. But this is such a good idea; you're not going to want to wait. You take a picture of something that you find cool, that you want to appreciate, that you want to ruminate on every day, and you write a short little essay about it. And then you end up with a self-help book about the power of changing your life through meditative photography. That's what we'll call it. And you will end up on the Today Show talking to Jenna Bush. And you will end up having one of those cheesy Instagram accounts where you're posting pictures of hikes and sunsets and accompanying it with motivational phrases. And you will be rich. You will. If you do this right, I've just changed your life. You have. I'm going to do it. I'm giving I'm literally, this to you. I'm literally doing it. I'm <laughs> starting with the squash. It's going to be like Proust's Madeleine. That's exactly what it's going to be. I am making squash. you. I am making you do this. Forget about swimming. Whatever. Everybody no, 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 no. I need. No, 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 no. I got to swim. Okay, but what take you're some talking about. It's it's the project is being faithful to the project and not like forcing anything. Oh, totally. Like, like you should have. Work. You should have some days where you know you have a it it shit day. Yeah. Yes. Yes, but I'm saying, and you got to be raw, and you and you got to speak about your struggles. You know, you gotta you gotta be open about not what a, not is... a problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just changed your. I'm life. gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Okay, What's today? okay. July twenty seventh. Right. 
All right, we're going into. I'm starting now. No time like the present. Gonna do the squash. That's gonna Uh, be the cover. The squash is gonna be the cover. Okay, we're gonna do the City Connect squash. City Connect squash. Uh, Anyhow, yeah, the. uh, I can't believe we are. (laughs) We are. We are potting the morning after. The season-defining series. Yeah. And we started talking about squash. Well, they all know what happened. That's a little, that's a little too on brand for us. Well, but the thing is, it's not coming out until by the time 100 other people have already talked about it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Of, but though, anyway. Though, though, as I was reminded last night, just because other people are talking about something, it doesn't mean they understand what they're talking about. Yes, or uh, as you may have found last night, just because one person says something and you say another thing, it doesn't mean you're actually talking to each other. No, really talking past each other. <laughs> yeah. All right. What? All right. Hold on. I don't want to start with you yelling at Sean McAdam yet. I'm not going to yell at Sean McAdam if anything. I Let's feel bad start. How hard I went. I called him a penis. But look, I was being a penis too. I just think you were. Yeah. This 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 dovetails with the new segment I am going to spring on you later, which is a quite a reversal. All right, so that's a tease. So we have two teasers to start with: a new segment from Ryan Joyner that won't be about swimming or. I'm at five ninety. That's that that segment is now taken care of for the day. All right, so we're at five ninety. We have uh, more on Brian Joyner calling Sean McAdam a penis coming up shortly. <laughs> but let's just start with the Braves. By the way, let's I start with I did the I did the caveat where I said he was being a penis. He was being a penis, right? You didn't call him a penis. You said he was being a penis. I was also <laughs> being a penis. Just anyhow, go ahead. All right, the Red Sox just took two games, Brian Joyner, from the best team in baseball. Each game was incredibly memorable. And I just kept thinking about now. So this is now, we talked last week uh, about, you know, what, what the season-defining game is going to be. Well, we have it. We, well, I guess it's sort of, I so mean, far, maybe it's we an have open a, question. We have leader on, in the clubhouse. We have a leader yes. in the clubhouse. Although, to be frank, I'm not even sure which game it is, whether it was last night's or, or whether it was uh, uh, Tuesday's. I'm really not even sure. Tuesday's was more memorable. Tuesday's game was ridiculous. It was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. The yeah. triple play, the Christian Arroyo thing. I don't need, we need a name for the, I guess, we'll, I guess we could just call it the double play, but that doesn't even really encapsulate what it was. No. Whatever that Christian Arroyo thing was. And then last night with Bayo Strider. I mean, the, the comeback win being driven by Tristan Casas. This series has all the hallmarks of one of those classic, pivotal, season-defining series for a team that is surging towards the postseason. Um, like, it has all those characteristics. The only thing is, I mean, I felt that way about this team before. You know, we looked at – there's obviously the eight-game the eight win streak back in May – I was saying the same things. Like, this is a team that is surging into the postseason. Well, I mean, they weren't surging into the postseason, but they were surging into the season at that time with production from players you didn't expect it. Alex Verdugo was playing like an MVP for a while. Chris Sale was back. So I've had that feeling about this team before. 
Um, so I guess my question is, is this, is this feeling I have now based on anything more that actually does lead us to suggest that this series was meaningful and that this team is surging into something special? I mean, they have same run differential as Houston, basically the same mm-hmm. as Toronto. They're eight games above 500. It's, it's real enough. It doesn't matter. Like this, it's real enough. It, I, I say, all the time that August is, I think, when the real shift starts to happen. But it's a little early. It's it's basically August. And the Red Sox are really putting it together. Of course, we've seen them seesaw a little bit, but they're eight games above 500 now. I, I, like, I would be shocked by an eight-game losing streak. I think it's a... The trend line is is moving up, and that is why people on the internet uh, I've heard are discussing what the Red Sox should do, especially in light of the Lucas Giolito deal with the Angels. And we'll get to all of that. I think it's real. I think the Red Sox will add plainly at the deadline, and the question is just how Bloom will go about it because he has not heretofore made deals early, relatively early, obviously, because it's July 27th in the trade deadline uh, bonanza. Usually he waits up right up until the very end and gets the cheapest guy he can find. Now the Red Sox can use all the help they can get. However, the trade deadline is just a few days away. So I don't think waiting. I mean, obviously the big question is, could they have beaten the Giolito deal? And the natural conclusion is, well, of course well, they definitely they could have. They definitely could have. Having said and that, so the I question mean, is still... why didn't they, which is what we will get to. Yeah. Well, so I mean the Giolito deal, so Giolito, which I mean, the most shocking thing about the Giolito deal to me is the team that made it. Two days ago, we were talking about what would it take to land Shohei Otani from the LA Angels. And two days later, the LA Angels definitively say that he is not going anywhere and they trade for Lucas Giolito. Um, Now, there was a top 100 prospect in the deal. Top 100, you know. We're going to get really into what that means. I'm not saying we're doing the break, but when I start my re uh, recap of last night's events, sort of explain my general thinking and why I still, even if we were talking past each other, otherwise, still think it's a very important distinction to be made. But okay. all right, so let's so let's. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about the Brave series, and then we can take a break and jump into the trade deadline? But here's my only question. Should they do more City Connect because it always works? Or should they be sparing with it because it always works? Oh, this is such a good question. So they are now 21 and 4 all time in the City Connects, which a couple of things. One, I would have guessed they would have worn them more than that by now. 
I, I would mean, guess that's, there's more that's than the crazy part that always oh, like they don't wear them that often. <clears throat> yeah. Now, there's so much to dissect with this. One, is it possible that it actually does provide the team with a meaningful advantage? I think it is potentially possible. Not because the players get any kind of zip by wearing the uniforms or something like that, but because the fans at Fenway do. And home field advantage in baseball generally doesn't mean much, but we have heard we have heard things from opposing players who come into Fenway and who have said that there are various things about Fenway in the crowd that are different and that do convey some semblance of an advantage on the Red Sox. I, I, who was the pitcher? I, I can't remember who it was, but a couple of, uh, I think it was during the, the 2021 season coming down the stretch. Um, there was a rookie reliever on the opposing team who was brought into the game for the bottom of the eighth. And, you know, it was a tight, close game in the middle of a pennant race and Sweet Caroline was going on and the crowd was going nuts. And, and the reliever said after the game that it knocked him off his composure a little bit. Like he was forced to sort of, as the crowd was still banging out the song as the game was about to start, he was forced to sort of step off the mound a little bit, try to catch his breath. Right. So there is some element of home field advantage, at least in Fenway, that is real. And I think the City Connect jerseys get the crowd pumped up a little bit. Um, they they bring a little bit more energy into the crowd. And so it is possible that it tilts it, it, it you know it tilts things that way a little bit. Um, I mean, I think yeah. there's a better chance of that being true than you flipping a coin 25 times. And having it come up 21 times heads, 21 heads and yeah. four times tails. I think that there's so many games and they blend into each other, each other that if the crowd is pumped up, <clears throat> I think there's a better chance of that having any effect at all than this being totally random. Yeah. But then there's also the question of, you know, when do they also it's just break more out fun. the jerseys? Yeah. It's just more fun to, I mean, and here's the thing. This was it. a, this is a really you you would know that the Brave series was big. There's a very yeah. good chance they lose these games, right? Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Yeah, I think it is real. And the question of whether to wear them more is interesting because until you know, I nobody really. We all I'm going to answer were... my own question, and the answer is no, okay. they shouldn't. The answer is no. Okay. That's all right. I, I used to think that they should wear them every Friday night. At I night. actually agree with that, though. But that would inevitably ruin the, the streak if they did that. Yeah, but the streak is going to, I mean, the streak's going to end at some point. Yeah, well, maybe. But but when? That's the question. This could go on. If they're strategic about when they deploy the City Connects, it can go on for a while. Because that's the other thing that might be going on here, that they obviously, you know, they, they don't use these randomly. They bring it, the first time they bring them out every year is Marathon Weekend, right? Well, yeah. And that's, big, that's a big series. That's an emotional series. That's a series where the players probably get up a little bit more than they would for, for any other random wraparound it's series. Fucking better. And, <laughs> same thing and then the, you know it's you look at when they wear them like they save them for 
mo- you know, momentous occasions and, and games that maybe the players would be up for anyway. So maybe there's, maybe we talk about them playing better in the city connects, maybe they'd be playing better on those dates regardless. And they just happen to be tying them in with the city connects. I don't know. I still like the Friday night idea. I love it too. All right, let's get to the ranting after this. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, we're back. Dan, do you want to ask me questions? Or do you want me to just go? <laughs> All right. Do you want to? Do, do we want to frame this in terms of the deadline, or do you want to frame this just in terms of you yelling at Sean McAdam? I think me yelling at Sean McAdam. Okay, well, go perhaps. For it. Just go. Oh, well, well, perhaps you, you go. over. Well, perhaps overzealous. Uh, it ties into a larger conversation about what the Red Sox do and why they do it, and Jake Devereaux. Who's going to come up in the next segment, by the way? Uh, He's the inspiration for the next segment, frankly. Okay. That there's a, there's a gap in how we talk about the teams and and how we understand what high and bloom does. And it's frustrating to some people like specifically Jake, who in our Slack chat, right before we started sort of took the air out of a lot of my rage by echoing it. But Sean McAdam talked to High and Bloom and he asked uh, why he prefers cost-controlled guys to (coughs) rental players, a.k.a. guys who don't have a contract beyond this year. And my immediate reaction was that because cost-controlled guys are cheaper. 
Now I understand now what he meant that they're more expensive to trade for. They're more expensive to acquire in the market, yeah. But my argument The reason why is, they're more expensive is, is because they're ultimately cheaper. Right, because and this gets into the Louis Giolito discussion and how the Red Sox could have beaten this. <clears throat> Prospects right. so you decided are <laughs> prospective baseball players. They may be major league assets. Major league well, baseball players. Well, pause, pause. I want to baseball they, players. They are. I I would just to clarify. And I think this is an important point in this conversation. Prospects are major league assets, regardless of whether they become major leaguers, right? Because they can be used to buy major league players. Right, 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 right. There's like a three-tiered system where the most valuable thing to have, and I stress that the value proposition is the important part of what we're talking about, are cost-controlled major leaguers. Correct. If we're players talking that you have under contract assets, for four to middle, five years. The middle one is prospects, but it's way down there. And yes. rentals are some, I guess rentals are above prospects, but in terms of the way Bloom and most GMs operate, as you can see from the Giolito deal, they really value prospects. And I get it, but, and, and so they view an outlay of like two 100 prospects for geolators or something like that as the market price, okay? I understand that that is cheaper to acquire than somebody who's not on an expiring contract. Yeah. But when you pay for junk, or you, not junk, because Giolito's not junk, but you get what you pay for, and a cost-controlled major <clears throat> leaguer is the best investment. And the best investment is ultimately the, the cheapest thing to have. I sell... A luxury product now it's like what i do but it works and people who have it come up to me and say it's hard for me to explain this to friends who say it's expensive but it's worth every penny yes you can buy something over and over and over and replace it over and over and over and that's going to cost more in the long run so i'm really surprised that there is a class of reporter and a class of fan who thinks that High and Bloom would do anything that did not make financial sense because every single deal, long-term financial sense, because outside of the Mookie deal, every single, and that in con his context fits into this pattern, but I just don't believe him. But the Red Sox do not make deals that cost them money in really the short or long terms. They just don't. So you tell me what is cheaper. 
a deal where you make more money in the long term or less money? So I think I would uh, tweak what you just said there, where you say the Red Sox don't make deals that cost them in the long term. I I'm think what is trade. I'm talking trades specifically. Yes, right, 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 and I think you can even extend that to free agency. Like they, you know, they're the only big deal they're given they've given out is to Raphael Devers, who was the youngest of, of their trio of stars at the time when they could give that deal out. Um, and you know, the only major free agent deal that they signed was Trevor Story, who, as we've discussed, like they got him at a discount because of his arm, and it was only a five-year deal. But where I would tweak what you said is I don't think we can say definitively that High and Bloom is not going to acquire players who have a long-term cost. I think what oh, we can no. say is High and Bloom. Hold on. No, 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 wait. I, I there's agree. a distinction here. I want to make what I think what the, the strategy you just described for High and Bloom, that's an accurate description for how he has acted so far. And I think the reason why the rental question that Sean McAdam posed is actually a good question is because at some point, we have been waiting to see the strategy shift a little bit because Bloom has told us himself that the strategy would eventually shift. He's been pretty clear about what he's been doing for the last four years, that he has been focusing on the farm system, that he has been focusing on cutting long-term payroll liabilities, and that he sees some point at the future when the farm system would be consistently productive enough that he would then be willing to be more aggressive about improving the major league team. So everything you laid out about what Bloom does is absolutely true with respect to what Bloom has done. I think there is still an open question about what his strategy is going to be going forward. And, and you know, if whether it's true that there is going to be a, at some point where they sort of flip a switch and enter phase two of their project, you know, there's a question of, is that switch going to be flipped? And if so, when? Is this the year it gets flipped, or is it next year, or is it 2025? Well, I, so I, I you know, I've said forever that I've said it's this offseason coming up. It doesn't well, mean he's, that's, not, he's going to make that's what, everyone's, that, that's what everyone said going into last year's offseason, too. Yeah, but uh, they, you know, but, no, 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 they didn't. Uh, there didn't. was a lot was of talk about, yeah, great. I don't care what the other people said, I'm yeah, never okay, wrong. Yeah. No, you last didn't. Night, that was kind of wrong, but yeah. I'm, you weren't like, you weren't wrong. You guys just were talking about two different things. Yeah, but I don't think we are because if prospects have this value that is inflated, and it is, it that plainly is. The Giolito deal is proof of that because of their status as potential big revenue generators or like big money savers, right? as potential cost-controlled major league guys. I don't think it's accurate to say that a rental would be cheaper than a long-term deal because you are 
burning those assets. Now, I don't care. I would like them to burn those assets to the effect of improving the team because I want the Red Sox to win the World Series. And this gets into what Alex Cora was talking about with the prospects and like, yeah, the prospects are worth so much. Great. You have a great prospect system. Yada, yada, yada. I just don't understand why anything High and Bloom has done would lead anyone to believe that he believes it is cheaper to pay for rentals. I think he's saying we will pay for rentals when we have the established framework of our core in place. And I still don't think they're there. He's not going to pay for rentals. He will go get them at the bargain bin. He'll get them with pocket change as he did last year, as he did the year before. And then maybe next year. And here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be a huge shift and it could start this year where it's a slightly better prospect for a slightly better player. But I think it's going to be a dial that just slowly gets ratcheted up. Not like Chris, the Chris sale trade. Cause he's not Dave Dombrowski. It will cost the Red Sox more in the long run to trade for a Giolito type than it will be if they trade for somebody who is cost controlled. So yes, we were talking past each other, but I think then you have the other side of it where there are people like Jake who are furious that he's not doing these types of deals. Right. 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 And the reason I think he's not is he doesn't think it's, cheaper to act this way yeah i mean look i I think that the quotes he came out with in in the media this week are are extremely telling he does this every trade deadline he's like it's just like i get (laughs) he's not he's not committing committing to buying or selling but he's making it and he's not even outright saying we're not going to do rentals but if you read between the lines it's pretty clear He's not going to do rental or look, he'll do a rental to your point. Like he'll do a rental if the price drops far, far. Enough. And it will for, you know, somebody. like you said, it and will. it will for somebody. Right. And, and the Hosmer, I mean, the, Hos- the Hosmer deal uh, is the perfect example of that because it's not even the, like, we have to remember how the Hosmer deal came together. The Hosmer deal only came together because the Nats were trade Juan Soto. <laughs> And they needed to right, the remember Padres needed to clear Hosmer, right? And the Padres needed to clear Hosmer, and Hosmer didn't want to do it. And Hosmer wasn't going to do it. And so all of a sudden, the Padres were just absolutely desperate to get Hosmer off the roster, and he had a no-trade clause. So he had to agree to where he was going. The Padres had absolutely no leverage whatsoever. So High and Bloom took Jay Groom, a guy who at that point had totally lost all of his prospect status and said, all right, here you go. We'll take him. Um, that's a perfect example. He wasn't even looking like, it's not like Bloom went looking for Hosmer. Hosmer just all of a sudden, like the Padres just all of a sudden opened up the window and said, Hey, anybody need this guy? Like it was a yard sale and Bloom just happened to be driving by and he said, yeah, okay, I'll take him for a J groom. So like, you like, yes, you're right. So there, he will do he rentals heard it. He if the price. And they're like, yeah, we are. 
yeah. So like he will do a rental if the price drops low enough, but it's very clear that he's not going to go looking for them. And what he is looking for based on what he said is he wants players that are, that are under team control for several years that can be considered part of the future core. Now, what this tells me is that they're not really going to do any major deals whatsoever at this trade deadline <laughs> because those players, to Sean McAdams' point, but not yours, are just so expensive to acquire in prospect and in trade capital. And I don't know... But, and but it, look, they're look, not. It's a, it's, but they're not. That's that is the that's sort of the lie behind all. Of they're expensive they're in trade capital. Like, and look, here's here's the only example I can think of from last year. I've mentioned I this. No, I get it. Times. I get it totally. People love prospects. Yeah. So last year, the Minnesota Twins traded for Tyler Malley at the deadline from the Cincinnati Reds. Tyler Malley is not Lucas Giolito. He's younger. He has not yet hit free agency. And he had a year and a half of control on his contract at the time of the deal. So that's still – so frankly, I'm not even sure that that even fits Bloom's definition of controllable guys who be part of the core because we're only talking about a year and a half on the contract. But still – Young guy making peanuts. I think he was making like six million dollars a year or something like that. Year and a half of control. Um, who looks? Who was? He's a promising arm. In 2021, he had a hundred. He had an ERA plus of 121. At the time of the deal, he was actually more way down to league average. Did like an ERA plus of 102. So again, I'm not even sure that Tyler Malley does fit the description of what Bloom wants because he's a guy who doesn't have. A, he has some control, but not a ton. And he has some promise, but he's not, you know, a, a for sure above league average starter. But to I mean, get he Tyler Malley. Nick, he signed Nick Pavetta, so, I mean, that sounds like Nick Pavetta to me. True. That's true. But to get Tyler Malley, the Twins had to give up Spencer Steer, who is currently – he's not going to be the rookie of the year in the National League, but he's going to be a top three or top five finisher – he has a 114 OPS plus as a rookie. They gave up Christian Encarnacion Strand, a second top 100 prospect who just made his debut like a few games ago and who at the time he made his debut was leading the entire International League in total bases. And then they gave up a third guy, Stephen Hajar, on top of that. So like the Red Sox equivalent of that deal, and again, Tyler Malley, I don't think is what Bloom really wants. A year and a half of control, only league average, maybe slightly better than league average at best. To get him, the Red Sox equivalent would absolutely start with Sedan Rafaela and probably also be someone like Nick York. Maybe not Miguel Blaze or Roman Anthony, but you're talking about Rafaela and York at the top and then a third name in there too. I don't see Bloom paying that price. And again, Tyler Malley's not even that good. So if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about someone in the core, and the names are basically, in my opinion, the only pitching names out there who possibly fit this definition of a, a controllable pitcher who could be part of a future core for the next three or four years. You got the big one is Dylan Cease. Um, he's signed through twenty twenty five. 
his numbers are a little bit disappointing last year to, compared to last year when he was one of the best pitchers in the league, but he still has the third highest whiff rate in all of baseball this year. That's the big one. Although the White Sox are apparently, they're saying they're reluctant to give him up. You have Justin Verlander, I guess, who is signed for one more year and then he has a vesting option. You have Eduardo Rodriguez, who actually has three years left on his contract, but he can opt out this year. And I suppose it's conceivable, depending on how much he likes Boston and likes Alex Cora, that he might tell the Sox that, hey, you know, bring me home and I won't opt out. But I think given the way he pitched this year, he was one of the best pitchers in the American League for the first couple of months until he went on the shelf for a little bit. I think that's he's going to exercise that opt out. So I don't see the Sox going after him. And then the only other one, and this one might make the most sense of all, is Aaron Savali, who, like Dylan Cease, is signed through 2025. ERA plus of 164 this year. And Aaron Savali, of course, is a local kid. We're talking about the ace of the New England national team in the next WBC. Um, all of those guys, though, all of those guys are better than Tyler Malley and would require more than Tyler Malley. So now we're talking about not just Rafael and York. We're talking about Rafael and Blaze, maybe, or Rafael and Anthony. And I just don't see... I am Bloom doing that at this point at all, which is why I think ultimately I don't think they're going to be in on much of anybody on this trade deadline, except for, you know, maybe a, a, a back end starter, a guy who can just slot in behind Paxton Bayo Crawford and put an end to the, the, the twice a week bullpen game or not even more than twice a week, two and a half times a week bullpen games that they're being forced to do now. I just don't, I, I mean, I, I just can't, this is an extreme seller's market. The expanded playoffs have done that. Everybody's in it now. Even the angels are in it. Um, so the prices are going to be exorbitant in terms of prospects. And I don't see him giving up the prospects. I just don't. Well, I just think it's a false choice. I don't disagree with anything you say, obviously, like you're, you're just saying what is factually true, but if prospects are so valuable that they cost X much to get Y, right? Why would you ever give X to get nothing? If you're thinking only, if you're thinking beyond this year, as he clearly is, okay? So my point is that making a big deal like that for, say, Savale, that's like... You could see that in another universe, right? In the multiverse mm-hmm. where there's things, you know, local kid, all that, all that. And, and Erod, right? So either one of those. That's still a better return than getting nothing. Because. Which is what some of these prospects may turn out to be. No, what I'm is saying. Is that your point? Or- no, my point is that if you were looking at this year as a process year, a true rental is actually a zero asset. That's my point. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. In, you're saying in Bloom's mind, if, if he is still looking at this as a foundation building year, which he is. This is all we ever talk about on this podcast, Dan. This is literally <laughs> yeah. the only thing we but, ever talk well, about. But that's the I mean, but you're right. But that's why I think this trade deadline is potentially interesting, and why yeah, the James Saxton question is interesting. Because when is Saxton? 
Well, I didn't say they should. Very fat. I didn't say no. I didn't say they should. I didn't say they should at all. I didn't. I didn't opine one way or the other. Only if only there was an audio recording we could go check. I am not going to go check. No, 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 no. I said it was a fascinating question. Yeah, but the week before that, you said they should. I said it would be extremely hard for High and Bloom not to, given his mo. But what makes it fascinating for me is: is his mo going to change? That's what makes it fascinating to me. I think and if clear, so, when? You just said not this year. I think that's probably right. I think it probably won't change this year. But I also don't think he's going to change. I I think, I think a Paxton deal at this point, after these two games against the Braves, a Paxton deal is something that John Henry might come in and say, no, you're not doing this. Not because James Paxton is some icon of the Red Sox, but because that would be a uh, unless it's unless it's a part of some complex series of deals that somehow brings back someone like Aaron Savali, right? And so you can make a case that like okay, we like yeah, Paxton's been nails for us. Savali will be just as good going forward unless it's part of some complex series of deals like, like NBA that style. This that and the other going yeah five different directions. If if they just trade Paxton for prospects at this point. And Paxton's bringing back more than Giolito. So, like, we talked about this before. He's definitely bringing back at least one top 100 guy, if not two. Like, that would be a fan bloodbath after what happened, after what the Red Sox just did this this to the Braves and the Mets. It's not happening. Like, I don't – I think John Henry is coming in and stopping that from happening. So, Paxton is not going anywhere. I am now 100% convinced that Paxton is not going anywhere. Right. And so I might look, I wasn't even trying to <clears throat> Raz McAdam with my original tweet saying they're cheaper. I thought I was just stating like a fact. Now I understand yeah. again, we were talking past each other, but the people in the, the comments, one of whom I'm not going to name is I don't get the, I don't understand this is like Bluminati stuff, how they don't get what they're rooting for. And that this, again, it's all we ever talk about. And the idea that High Bloom thinks buying rentals is a good use of resources and not a wasteful one, which is what I am saying. That's what he, he thinks, the way he's acting. Let's just judge him based on what he's done, okay? For sure. As I yep. said before, I, I don't know what's in his heart, but based on his actions, he views that as an expensive and ultimately unwise thing to do. Yes, he has rented two players in his entire time here, Kyle Schwarber and Eric Hosmer, and both deals were extreme value propositions because, as we talked about, the Padres just absolutely had to get rid of Hosmer and Kyle and Schwarber. And the, the, the Nationals just chose to be like, this is the moment everybody goes. Like, once Juan Soto was gone, it's like the – it's like a tremor after the big earthquake, and there's like, oh shit, we got to take care of this. Uh, yeah, 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 great. Yeah. Take Schwerber. 
Okay, I think well, that's short version for, but yeah. Have we said have we said enough about yeah, right, of course. Yeah, <laughs> they, I, I think so. Yeah. I'm sorry I, I, think, I called Sean McGavin look, and said he was being a penis. <laughs> I was being a penis. I I will say this though, and this is maybe after, so you're gonna write your meditative photography book. I will write well, thank you for uh, reminding me uh, of that. Yeah, you've already forgotten about it. I, I've had this idea and I think I've I think I've posed this idea on the pod before, but you just you just went and did it. I have said frequently that Twitter would be fixed if there was some mechanism whereby um any if you anything you tweeted, if there was some mechanism, you know, it couldn't just be like if one person act for it, it had to be like a petition situation where if enough people petition for it you would be forced to turn your tweet into a five paragraph essay to defend, to defend your logic and reasoning. I that would that, fix Twitter in my opinion. And you did it. You went out and you tweeted, you, you got the Twitter fight with Sean McAdam and then you immediately turned say, it into We didn't fight because he didn't say anything after the original thing. So no, he doesn't he didn't. give a shit. That is true. Yeah. But, but no, uh, you were I think the way to fix Twitter is not to rename it X, but have two-factor identification, but the two factors like your best friend. They have to like <laughs> they like oh they have to step will, in for will you. you yeah. Let Dan tweet this. I'm like yeah okay he could tweet that. Um, yeah, that's that's not bad too. But there are ways around that. You would just have people people who can't stop yeah, themselves would just designate Twitter best friends. Yeah, it's like saying and, people are going to get guns. Okay, ban them anyway, and then make them yeah. jump through hoops. All right, fair enough. Enough about that. You ready for Brian's first new segment in maybe forever? I don't know if I am. I'll be honest. I'm nervous. I don't know. I've never been. It, this, I've always been on the other side of it, of me just, just dumping something you don't know about on you. And now that I'm in the opposite position, I see like what emotional torture I've been putting you through here. This could be anything. And I'm worried. I'm nervous. Okay. Well, it's very simple, like yours. It has a very simple title. Unlike you, I'm not going to be like, we need a better title for this. No, we don't. <laughs> it's which is worse. That's it. <laughs> which is worse. Three okay. instances of things, and you tell me which one is worse. Now, the context of worse will change because, as I said, this was inspired by our, our dear friend, frenemy, for reasons you will understand before coming, Jake Devereaux who one day recently <laughs> woke up by his own admission on the wrong side of the bed and came into the, the group chat of our 24-team dynasty league, which is like the bar that's always open and it's constantly being five years, six years now. Just This league is gone. And he chose violence. And he chose violence against me. Oh, is this, the, is this your Twitter bio? The, your new Twitter bio? Yeah, so the, let, let me I tell saw you that. Okay, but you'll see. So I said Julio Urias is available because I have him, and I have I'm sort of future like, Boston Red Sox future. Sort I'm sort of in it, sort of not in it. I'm chasing Jake. I probably won't catch him. So what I'm basically doing is trading healthy superstar pitchers for someone who's just a tier below as a pitcher and then another very good asset. Uh, for example, I traded, I think it was, 
it was Shane McClanahan for Urias and like Matt Chapman and somebody else. Shane McClanahan is a better mm-hmm. dynasty asset, but Urias is very good. They're both top 10. This is against the way Jake plays fantasy baseball. I'm a process guy. He's a stars and scrubs guy. So you are Bloom and he's Nebraska. It's yeah. ironic and he beats the shit out of me every year, but I've slowly, slowly, like next year, I expect to beat him. I don't think it's aspirational, but. Okay. The window is going is like, to open oh, for you. This is right. I'm like that in not a joke. My team's timeline is basically exactly high Bloom's timeline. And as much as I rip high and bloom, I do exactly what he does. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is nobody gives a shit what I do. Whereas millions of people care what he does. But mm-hmm. so this I is an anathema to Jake and he fucking just decided to come after me. And he's just like, oh, you're going to turn a dollar into a hundred pennies again, Brian. You fucking suck. You're terrible. And then he just, as you said, I've made this my Twitter bio because he's the most pointed. Crit- I've never beaten him in this league. So he has every right to say all this shit. And he wrote this one message that just succinctly burns me to the fucking ground. And it is. <clears throat> the point is you suck. You are bad at this. <laughs> I want you to know that I see you that you suck. And it was so, and I said, okay, Jake, have a good Saturday. And he's like, nice comeback. I was like, what do you want me to say? Have a bad one? Because I was like, what do I say to that? Okay, that's a pretty sick burn, but which is worse? That burn or one from a few hours later from another antagonist of mine in the league, someone I've never met who won the league last year after, it must be noted, taking over for somebody who was on a long-term uh, rebuild who uh, uh, didn't uh, have, have, there's no easy way to say this he died so somebody had to take over his team Oh, and he won and shit talks and when he goes over the line there's You're often like, talk hey, about how a it dead would be man nice to inherit a championship right but he is good Jake invited him into the league and he's another friend of me. But that same night I had to work this, the Italian street fest. I told you about at the beginning mm-hmm. and I got this fried pizza uh, and I took a picture of it cause it looked cool. And it was the first one of the things that now you've inspired me to take the pictures and write the meditations and go on the today show. Though I won't, yeah. I mean, I really would have a hard time talking to uh, Jenna Bush. It would be difficult for me. <laughs> Uh, then the, you know, not really through any fault of her own, I guess, but I'm not getting, no, it, it is, but yeah, yeah I, right. Right. Anyhow. <laughs> and I said, working at event and it's an Italian feast. Here's the pizza Frida. One minute later. And no one had written a message in like 45 minutes. So it wasn't like it was a hopping time. One minute later, this guy responds, you're working must be a volunteer thing. So Dan, which is this worse burn on me? Jake's or Sam's? Um, this is not a difficult question is at all. Jake's? Is it Jake's? No, no. Oh, the second one. 
It's the other one. So this, yeah, okay. because so this is Jake's. Jake's is. I told Jake, and Jake, right after he wrote that, he's like, "I'm just really pissed off and wanted to start shit." I'm like, "It's all good, man. That's what that's what this place is for." But I was glad. No, but Jake, would- Jake took a shot at you in fantasy baseball. Fantasy being the key word. It's not real. Literally, nobody cares about it. The other shot. Is about the real baseball of your life. Yeah, that's a much, much worse. That's a much, much worse. Well, look, Jake won the first year, and Sam won last year, so he's you know his fantasy skills are better, and apparently his uh, ripping people to shred skills are better too. Yeah. All right. Um, I do have to pause this segment real quick. I have never heard of Pizza Free. Well, I'm looking at pictures of it right now. It appears to be a calzone is that is it not just a calzone i'll explain exactly what it is so my mom used to make what she called pasta feeders which is pasta frita which is fried dough with powdered sugar on top for breakfast and they also serve that because fried dough everyone yeah everyone knows what fried dough is that's so all this is is fried dough tomato sauce and a little oh, that's all it is. Got it. Right? So it's, it's savory fried dough instead of sweet fried dough. It's savory yeah, fried dough. But got I it. saw some people like they offered to make half and half for me because I thought I saw someone with like white <clears throat> cheese on it and it must have been powdered sugar and they got half and half. I'm like, what is the half and half? They're like, yeah, we can make half with sugar and half with tomato sauce. I was like, please don't do that. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's a, if you if you do a Google image search for Pizza Frida, like you don't the image search the images are extremely inconsistent. Some of them are what you just described, like cheese and tomato sauce on top of fried dough. There's not a lot. Some of them wasn't are a lot of cheese like, either. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the best best part of pizza. Some of them are just straight up hot pockets. Like the like this. Like I'm looking at pictures of hot pockets right here. And then I have like, decide. I have decide that you are going to love. I will try to make it brief. In my very early career, one of the newspapers I worked for in Queens, we had a relationship with this small, tiny little newspaper in a very mobbed up area run by this incredibly distinct woman who hated everything, but she loved me. Fucking swore her ass off, was involved in all sorts of shady shit. I mean, that's your people right there, Brian. Your people are people. She's in jail now. By, she's in jail now, by the way, for blackmailing somebody and threatening to publish lies in the newspaper. This is absolutely. Oh my true. goodness! Wow. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was like federal, like cops too. I believe it was the FBI. Anyhow, not the paper that you wrote for. This is a different paper, right? Would you have no, been the worked, one who had to publish the piece? I worked with her. You worked. Oh, okay. So would you have been the one who had to publish the piece? <laughs> no. Well, so we had to write these uh, op-eds, but they were pay-for-play reviews. And so it'd be like a pizza place in Queens. And you just talk about why it's better than other pizza places. And the first time I wrote one, mm. she's like, you can always say it's the crust. Okay. So she said that. And you said the best part of the pizza is the uh is the cheese and so the second time i was writing it she was like remember you could always say it's the cheese i was like i thought it was the crust she's like yeah whatever (laughs) you can always (laughs) yeah that uh yeah that does that does speak to me as someone who used to have to every single day of my life for two years try and find something to say about food over and over and over again (laughs) 
<laughs> and that is not always easy to do. And yeah, you know, I frequently uh, found myself being like, "Okay, I like this thing. Do I know why I liked it? No. Uh, texture. Let's go with that. It had a good texture." Yeah. All right, next one. Which is worse? Probably another easy one, but topical also. I'm a, I'm on a real hater roll this week. Zach Hampel or his fans? Oh, okay. This is a good question. Zach Hampel is the source. At least of he's just they, mentally ill. Probably. Yeah. They, well, well, and, and, well. That's the other thing about Zach Hampel is like I know, I know something. I know. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, he is the source of his fans. Without him, they do not exist. Um, right? So the easy answer is just to say that it's him. He's the one bringing them into the world. I think the fans might be worse, though. I think, I I, think they I are. I actually think I agree. Because it's just... It's enabling to, bad behavior. It's enabling bad and behavior. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just enable it. But here's the thing. Like, Zach Campbell is incredibly annoying. And possibly not quite all, all, all there in the way that you would know people yeah. to be. But at least he is getting something out of it. Like he is in an extremely yeah. niche corner of the world famous. And as far he's like as the I Mel know. Kuy- he's like Mel Kuyper Jr. He's like, I'm just going to invent doing this. this. Yeah. And as far as I know, he doesn't actually have a real job anymore right like yeah this is just what he does because he, he, he's a celebrity to some people and yeah i don't so he got he's getting something of value out of what he is doing i hate what he's doing and i hate him but like i'm not gonna lie that there is a small part of me buried inside that says like okay if five years he's a hustler, ago, hustler, and he's making it, he's a hustler. Yeah. He's just a hustler, like if, straight up. If five years ago I was offered a deal and said, like, okay, here, I like, you're going to be rewarded in life in such a way that you're not going to, you're going to be able to quit your boring ass real job. Your new job is just going to be this weird baseball adjacent thing that only you do. That's going to enable you to just travel around the country going to baseball games. But the trade-off is you're just going to have to do something real douchey and act like a douche. And a lot of people are going to hate at you. There's at least a part of me inside that would have to go, is it worth it? I would like to think that ultimately I would say no. But there's a part of me inside that that, that would consider it because he's getting something of value. The right. people who just defend him on Twitter aren't getting jack shit. Like, like you're what is what is that about? All these well, oh well, you don't realize that he gives the ball to kids sometimes. Blah blah blah. He's taking it from kids before he gives it to them. That's the whole goddamn point. He gives balls to kids that he didn't catch. There's like that's my problem. It's like there's this moving of the ball. He wants his attention at times. He doesn't want attention at other times. But I, I agree with you. It's like. If you were going to play, if there was a card dealer who was like, I cheat at cards, I can deal myself to aces. And that was like his calling card. That's what he did. And people were like, can I play poker with you? And he'd be like, you realize I'm the guy who cheats (laughs) cards, right? They're like, yep. It's like, okay, yeah, you can play with me. That's 
how I view them. And like, it's, it's, it's really disappointing. Yeah. I mean, look, I, yeah. I, I respect the, I mean, I, I don't know how much I respect the hustle, but like I called him a con man and I think he basically is one, but he also, it works. So, you know, whatever fucking works, man. Uh, um, the thing that I most couldn't believe from your article about this was that he's older than me. He's older than me. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. Uh-huh. I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't think he was older than me. Like, you know, I thought he was maybe like 31 or something like that. Well, that's I, I did make a point in there that like he's he looks like he's in good shape. I think he probably fucking trains to do this. I think uh, you're right, yeah. But it's I also God, he's not like that. what happens to him when he can't run to catch baseballs anymore yeah does he does he just what happens because he has no meaning in life anymore no, I, like, like kind of it's or, gonna be a while like like i get this well that. i don't know i actually know i take that back i actually don't know if he even thinks about things that deeply because he is to me and i think this is maybe why he looks the way he does like he's like a seven-year-old kid who just in a big situation became an adult. Like I get the feeling that Zach Campbell's um, his food consumption consists entirely of, of things that you unwrap from plastic and juice boxes. See, I think he, I, I don't know. Like that. I think it might be the opposite. I think he might be. I something something doesn't add up let me just put it that way something doesn't add up and if it's some sort of issue that would make him less of a fair target given how big his platform is at this point why wouldn't you talk about that might actually help people you know like i I don't know yeah that is true it doesn't seem like he's interested I mean, he I'm could just be weird. He could just be weird. Well, like this no, is a no, very no, no, no. He, okay. He is weird. Yes, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, our like our need to diagnose something is is a very that's a very contemporary thing that we all have to diagnose ourselves and diagnose everyone around us. He could just be a real fucking weird guy. Okay, that's enough about that guy. All right, last one, which I had to make up on the fly because we basically covered it in the McAdams segment is, and this is related because I'm driving a lot now for various jobs. Which is worse? When, as a driver, you make one real, I'm not talking about accidents, okay? You don't respond to a green light for like, X number of seconds and get really mm-hmm. pissed off if somebody honks. I try not to honk, by the way. But when I'm fed up, I do. But I really I do it all the time. Right. I do it all the time. Right. I try yeah, not to, I mean, but just, I do it. I, I do want to I want to interject here too because you I do live in I city do it too. So you know you have to yeah. you live in a city. And then like I honk all the time and I do sometimes frequently question why I do that. And I'm like, you know, he was gonna like I'm not I'm usually not going anywhere that I need to be, you know, like at it's not like I'm late and I need to be somewhere exactly at five I could be 150 like feet up the road by now if you weren't <laughs> exactly. in my way. Exactly. So sometimes 
Sometimes I question myself and I feel bad for it because I'm really just talking about a minute and a half of time. But the reason why I honk is because I know that that person in front of me who's not moving with the green light is not moving because they're on their phone, right? Like it's not just that they're slow to get out the blocks. It's like they're 100% on Twitter right now. All right, and gonna, it could be I another have... five or 10 seconds before they look up and realize it's time to go. Like, right. I don't think I would honk. I don't think I would have was honking at people in 2007 if they were like a little late at the green light because they might have just been looking out the window for a second and we're about to turn around and see the green light and go. But now that I know they're on their phones, I honk. Okay. There's actually going to be a three parter because I thought of another one. All right. At Emerge, people who don't let you in, inexp- like, that's it. Uh, and then the next one is people who, okay, there's an intersection near my house where you're on a road, a smaller road connecting to like a boulevard. And you enter it from the right side. It's just a right street entering at a diagonal onto the street. So the road is on your left, but you are on the right and your car is actually turning right. The third is this worse of the people who use a left turn signal to do that because people do that every fucking day and it drives me crazy. I actually know the answer to this one. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So hold on, I gotta make sure I'm not doing this right. So not not going until honked at, not not letting people in or not knowing which way is right and left when you make a turn signal. Okay. The last one uh, is ultimately completely innocuous. It, it, it might, like you might find it funny and weird that they're signaling left when they're actually turning right, but it has no impact on you as a driver in the other car at all whatsoever. Uh, well, I mean, it need to, but it's just, I, I just, every time I'm like, again? <laughs> okay, I, but yes, okay. Like, you should even maybe take joy out of that when you see it. Ah, there's, there goes another person who thinks they're turning left when they're actually turning right. What The world is so funny and stupid. I'm going to take a picture and write an essay about it. That's clearly innocuous, so that's not it. You want so that to use my phone with... while I'm driving, Dan? Interesting. <laughs> That well, that, I, that that is something to consider here because so we're now now we, we're left with not moving at a red light or, or green or light. not letting people or at a green light or not letting people merge. Um, oh, this is tough because I think not letting people merge probably has a worse overall effect on traffic because you're backing people up on that on-ramp or wherever they're merging from, that's going to get backed up. More people are just going to then aggressively try to merge in spots that are maybe unsafe to merge. So that's a more dangerous situation and a situation that has more negative effects on traffic flow. But like I said, if you're not moving at a green light and it's because you are on your phone, I mean, that's as dangerous as it gets on the road. You, you know, if you're so addicted that like, and I'm, look, I'm not judging, I do this too. Every second you stop, you pull out your phone. 
you're basically saying this is which hard. Is worse being on your phone. I mean, because like being on your phone is such a that's that's worse. Just in yes. like I know, but I'm talking specifically about the light to make it a fair fight. If it's specifically just about the light, then I think that the not allowing someone to merge is worse. Yeah, the the merging thing just drives me crazy. And as you know, because I'm sure you've seen this, like when I was growing up, my mom was like, she loved it when. Now there's a difference that people are going in the breakdown lane, but that's not really what I'm talking about. Because that's Mm -hmm. just, that's different. I'm talking about when people use the lanes and go to merge. There are places in America where people think you should line up single file. And if you try to go in the other lane, somebody will drive halfway between. So you can't get by because they think that like you're being unfair, but no, you're right. Zipper merge. If you are stopping people from coming in, you are the problem. Yeah. Like you have to do it. Like we all, we're all getting in the same place. Like you're going to have to merge at some point in the future and you're going to want somebody to let you in. So let other people in when you have the chance. It's I it's, I it's, get it's just inexplicable when there'll be like a lane closed and I'll there'll be a spot and someone will just try to fly through and honk. It's like what do you, you want to crash because I we're going in the same direction? Like I don't yeah. get it. Here now now there's maybe a caveat to this. Okay. And it's a very specific merging situation. And it's a situation where sometimes I do aggressively prevent people from getting in. And that is if you're on a highway, right? And you Well life life maybe there's is a, a highway. Life is a highway. That's that's that, that is my did your kids were they obsessed with that song, by the way, when they were No, like, I was obsessed with that song. The the original one, I took <laughs> the, the boat to Falmouth and walked to the record store and bought the album. And then took the there were back. no record stores on Martha's Vineyard. There were, but it was more about going to the mall because there's no mall. And then when I was in gotcha. the mall, like that's what I bought the Tom Cochran album. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you're on the high, big, big into the cars movies, they were not. Into gotcha. The okay. Both both of my like both of my sons when they were three, that was their favorite song independently. Even though they're not huge into the Cars movie either. That that song just, just lists, yeah. lights something inside them. You're on the highway and maybe there's a lane closure and there's an exit up ahead or something, right? And so, and it's like an interstate. And so there's a huge backup to get off at that exit, right? You know oh, what I'm saying? Like, like there might be like a, might be like a half mile or a quarter People mile. People go all the way up to the front. Backup. Exactly. In that yeah, situation, we do that. We do where that people, New, we do it in New York all the time. Okay, so when you when you have been patiently waiting in the backup, I let and him some in. guy just you you still let him in. You don't yeah. you don't pull up and say okay, interesting. Well, because I'm sometimes the, you know, I, I well I, well I am too. I am too. But I still that doesn't mean I'm still considerate enough when other people are doing it. No, I let them in. When that happens, like I start like I tie myself to the car in front of me and I'm like nobody well, is yeah, getting I in. Do here. that too. What I'm saying is that like if they're on their game, if they get an inch, I'll give them a yard. I try to box mm, them out. Okay. Don't get don't so get So you res- you respect the aggressiveness a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Like you, you view it as get, you're like your a, you're like a quarterback. Door, I will open the door. Gotcha. Right? Okay. If your foot is right. in the door, I'm not going to run over your foot. I'm not going to make you pull it back. 
because it's yeah. like game respects game. You respect now, it. Yeah, I see. Now, here, okay. here's what I will note as a service to the people behind me. I will then be very <laughs> defensive about if it happens once, I won't like I'm not sitting there letting person after person get by me. If someone gets by me, I basically glue like I will because it's easy not to let someone in if you don't want to. And once one person goes in, I'll try to be right behind that person. So like, I'm not pissing someone off behind me. Yeah. At the same time. No, I, I, it's game respects game. So I get it. All right. So yeah, I, I'll go with, um, I'll still say lane merging is worse. Not, or not letting people in is worse, but even though I frequently don't let people in. All right. That's enough of my, so I didn't, that was it. That was all I had. That's a good segment. That's a good segment. Um, uh, do I'm you have to any think segment? if I can like, I'm trying to think if I can you come can up any, come any up like on the fly ones related to like related to the last series or the upcoming series or something. I'm trying like, like, like what, what was worse? What was worse running into that triple play or I guess the Braves didn't do anything wrong in a Christian Arroyo play. So, like, so the they triple can't. play is worse. The triple play is always worse. It's a triple yeah. play. <laughs> it is always worse. Uh, anything else, Steve? What is worse? I was like half paying um, attention when that happened, and I was like, "Oh, I, I missed." I was watching the game, and I got up to like go get a glass of water in between innings or something like that, and kitchen was a little dirty, so I ended up cleaning the kitchen a little bit. Got back. Um, the inning had already ended. I missed the entire half inning, and so I'm just like watching the next frame. And I and I go on Twitter and I see like triple play in all caps is trending on Twitter. And I'm like, oh my god, the triple play! I wonder what happened. What team was it? And I click on it, and it, it happened to the Red Sox ten seconds before. I was like, Jesus Christ! Uh, so I didn't even see it. So I didn't even get a chance to emotionally react to. Just what an absolute awful blunder that was. But it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter because they won that game. I, can I just with tell rel- with relative? I have a tangential story to that. It's it just the reason I thought of it is not important. But uh, when I was in college, I was working and I saw like a Yahoo News thing with like there's a fire at Boston College freshman dorm, and one of my friend's younger brothers was a freshman. So I texted him being like, hope Timmy's okay. He wrote back. He's like, yeah, man, he barely got out. I was like, wait a minute. It was him. He's like, yes, it was his room. <laughs> oh my God. Say? I was just joking. Uh, Yikes. And, he wrote, and then like when his brother saw him in the hospital, this is right. Uh, when Gold and I had come out, he's like, I am invincible. Nobody almost died. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Do we have a segment where we talk about? Uh, no, I was gonna say, do we have a segment where we talk about how your stories are bullshit because you could? There was nobody. You weren't texting anybody in 1996. Oh, emailed. Sorry, emailed. Sorry. Uh, you were you even emailing people in 1996? Where did I read the news? No, that was the news online in 1996. I, I, was, think I will tell you. I was at uh, B at U Was it B joiner or B and joiner at uchicago.com. It was okay. your first and right. middle initial, and then the first six letters of your last name, which was very funny for my RA, whose first um, 
initial was M and her second initial was R and her last name was Showblum, S-J-O-B-L-O-M, which meant her email address was Mrs. Joe Blow. Oh, geez. That's not a, that's <laughs> not a great one. Yeah, she's great, though. That's not a great one. Uh, all right. You want to talk about the Giants? I don't know anything about them. I know you You're researched very, uh, them for five minutes. I, well, you know what? I was, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot with the game right now, then, okay? Oh, boy. Because I did research the Giants. For, I, I want you right now to go into baseball reference. And I want you to open up the 2023 Giants page. And as you well know, as you well know, baseball reference is a cute little thing on the top of each team's page where they just show pictures of the, the top 12 players by B war on any given team. I, I, I've, I, so here's what I've done. Yeah. I've, I'm looking at the pictures and I've hidden the stats. Okay. Cause I see where this is going without moving your mouth. Over any of these pictures, tell me how many faces you recognize on this page. Okay. Well, I don't recognize the first one, but it has to be Logan Webb. Like, so okay. I think that's it. That is in, that is incorrect, but can, oh, sure. keep is going. He the, is he the second one? <laughs> he is the second one, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, is, Mike Yastrzemski is probably there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Is there somewhere? Yep. Okay. Do you know which one he is? Absolutely not. He does kind of look like Yaz. I actually know no, he does look like Yaz, so I think you can figure out who he is. Uh, um, so there's also I, uh, I'm struggling here, Dan. <laughs> I'm struggling. There's, another face. there's one other face you should recognize, but it's maybe I don't know. He looks weird in a Giants hat. I assume Patrick is Patrick Bailey on here some somewhere. Oh, he is. He, he is. He's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I I can recognize the face, but I can't put the name to it. Is the fourth one? Is the is the looks weird in a Giants hat? No, not the one. I is Lamont there, Wade Jr. on here? Lamont Wade Jr. is on there. Yeah. Is he number three? He is number three. There you go. That was a what a crazy guess. <laughs> yeah, huh. the one the one you should get, but who looks weird in a Giants hat is Jock Peterson is on the Giants. Oh yeah, there yeah. he is. Second, that's, yeah, that's definitely eleventh there. Yeah, yeah. So I I went <laughs> I went on there this right, morning. Now I'm, I'm looking like, now. Okay, I'm looking now. Yeah. Alex Cobb, of course. Alex Cobb, yeah. Lamont he is Wade. leading the team in war right Estrada, now. Estrada, um, <laughs> I mean, just read it. Just read for our listeners the top 12 players. Right. In, in Alex war. Cobb, <laughs> Logan Webb, Lamont Wade Jr., Tyro Estrada, Tyler Rogers, who looks like a fucking vampire. It's kind of <laughs> concerning. <laughs> Camilo Doval. Right. Wilmer Flores. Mm-hmm. If I watched more Mets games, I would have gotten that. And then Mikey yeah. Stramsky, Patrick Bailey. Does look like yes. J.D. Davis. Uh, Jock Peterson and Tristan Beck. Yeah. So there you go. 
This is an extremely Giants team. Extremely. extremely I would have recognized Brandon Crawford if he was on there, but he's... Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the point is, boy, is this team and Manea, just yeah. totally anonymous right now. I can't believe they're as good as they are. It's, um, it's the Giants. That's what they do. At 56, yeah, 56 and 47. The good news is, for the Red Sox' sake, um, is, boy, have they been bad lately. They have lost one, two, three, four, five, six out of their last eight games and have not been hitting at all in this stretch. They have been absolutely, like, historically bad offensively for this stretch. But prior to that eight games, they did win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row and eight out of nine going right into that. Um, God, this is another team like the Mets that has some crazy streaks. Yeah, I was just checking to see. One, two, three, four, five, Mm. six, seven, eight, nine. They won 10 games in a row in the middle of June at one point. And then they won seven in a row at the beginning of July. And then they lost six in a row just last week. This is crazy. So we have uh, for, let's see what our pitching matchups are. I believe we have Cutter Crawford against Logan Webb um, in Friday night's game. Then we have Paxton against Di Sclafani and uh, bullpen game against Ross Striplin on Sunday. Logan Webb, uh, as we just established, second in the team in war, has been good. Di Sclafani is pretty much bang league average. Ross Stripling has not been good. Um, Man, I mean, I always enjoy – the late night trips mostly because the game starts seven. I frequently have to miss the first several innings. Anyway, the West, the West coast games, you know, I can, I can watch them. And I, and I also frequently, like I like, like I'm looking forward to the Mariners series next week because the Mariners are an intriguing team that I, I haven't got a chance to watch as much as I would like to. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not really looking forward to this Giants team. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing about this Giants team. That intrigues me whatsoever. Yeah, I would say Sox two of three and they lose to Logan Webb. I'm not going to belabor it about a team I don't know very much about. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise only- it would surprise me if the Red Sox got swept. That's the only thing that would surprise me. Oh, for sure. Now here's the question. Is this Pathetic thing gonna last? And if so, for how much longer? Because he is going Sunday. And I just I gotta Okay. That was a loud one. Yeah, this is uh you, you said Pavetta and they're just they're they're running <laughs> the to alarm here. went off. Yeah. Um no, I mean both both Avery and Jacob Roy wrote pieces about the new Pavetta here, trying to sort of figure out what's going on, whether this is real, whether it's just a blip. And you know, it's tough. I mean, ultimately, he, he hasn't really changed his arsenal much. He got rid of his splitter and replaced it with a sweeper, but he was barely throwing his splitter before and isn't throwing the sweeper that much more anyway. So it's hard to think that that's the only cause of it. I mean, with Pavetta, ultimately, I think Pavetta's issue is that he just struggles to maintain his command. And so he goes through stretches where he has really good command and is putting that curveball where it needs to be. And then he just goes through stretches where he loses it and gets, and gets smacked around. Um, and so I'm worried that I'm worried that what we're seeing right now with this streak, as fun as it is, is is it's just one of those stretches where he's got the stuff, 
but it's not going to last. And, you know, at some point, I think he's going to get banged around pretty hard here. Hopefully it's not this weekend, but I don't know. Could be. I mean, he is Nick Pavetta. He is Nick Pavetta. All right. I'll say about their rolling right now, I'll say they take two out of three, too. Same. Got a recommendation? I do have a recommendation. And it's actually tied in to what I just said about how I missed the triple play the other night. This is not this is a life recommendation, not a book mm-hmm. or TV or movie or anything like that. For the past week, I have been radically cleaning my kitchen at night. Which is not something I'm always good at. I know there's like a lot of people who just are in the habit of cleaning their kitchen every night. I I never was. I would frequently in our house, you know, cook and then you don't feel like doing the dishes and you just throw stuff in the sink and you leave it for the morning. And then I would hate that because I hated waking up in the morning and walking into like a dirty kitchen to have coffee and a bagel or something like that. So for the last week, I've been like, you know what, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to just like a small little thing in my life. And I'm going to make an effort to not only clean the kitchen every night, but to like really clean it. Like I'm not just doing the dishes and and getting stuff away. Like I'm wiping down the counters. I'm sweeping the floors and getting all the food crumbs, everything like that. And I got to tell you, Brian, I love cleaning my kitchen every night. (laughs) Ritualistically, there's something nice about the way it kind of like caps off the day. Coming into a clean kitchen in the morning is the best. It makes the mornings, especially like a summer morning, when you're excited to start the day, when it's a beautiful, the sun is streaming in the kitchen. It's a it's a warm, upper 60s, low 70s morning. Coffee's ready. That's a wonderful place to be. And what I've discovered, too, and that's the reason why I did it. I did it because I want a clean kitchen in the morning. But what I've discovered is that I actually also really love having a clean kitchen at night. Like, it's a great place to congregate. I feel like I'm thinking about this. I think actually a lot of interesting, cool conversations happen in clean kitchens at night. I'm thinking of, like, when you have people who come to visit you, maybe you haven't seen them in a long time, and they fly in, they get in late. You clean your place up because you got visitors and you want to put your best foot forward. They come. Where do you hang out and talk and catch up? You do it in the kitchen because you go in the kitchen to open up a bottle of wine or to, like, get a little food out because they just got off the plane and they're hungry and you end up having like a cool, meaningful conversation in a really clean kitchen at night. It's just, it's like, it's, it's a great place to be a clean kitchen in the morning at night. It's, it's changed my life. I probably won't do this for another three or four days tops before I get sick of it and stop doing it and fall into my old disgusting slob habits. But for right now, I'm really loving it. It's, it's, it's made my nights and mornings much better. Yeah, That's whenever I maintain a level of cleanliness, it just helps. And the kitchen is obviously the best place you get, to do that. It's yeah, you got to start with the kitchen. If you can't but, get your so kitchen clean, what I hear you recommending is cocaine, but we'll just elide <laughs> that. It's, it's got to be clean. My, my, it's got to be clean when I wake up. It, it has to I'll be clean. What, my countertops are clean enough for if, if if you need a spot to do it. I'll say that. Then we can find out. So I have to clean it up. So I have to clean it up, and it's good because it helps me clean it up. I listen to the podcast. Does cocaine make you cleaner? Can you believe believe what pot of lead was down said? Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm getting the stain out. (laughs) I do also listen to podcasts as I'm cleaning. So like it's another it's another way to make the activity like a leisure thing as opposed to a chore. I hear you. Uh, My recommendation is don't be a penis. 
And I'm really a life recommendation referring uh, referring to myself uh, in 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 that mostly and uh, but also like driving, let people in uh, as a rule. As a rule, be the nicest driver you can be because you're going to need it at some point. So just pay like forward. It. It's also it's safer. You know, it sure is safer. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got, Dan. Uh, I gotta go. Uh, not write angry blogs. <laughs> Do you want to delete that piece? No, I it's, mean it's too late. It's done. I, 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 you know, when I first saw it pop up on the old Twitter timeline, last I did night, write I a like... self. I did write a tweet that made it clear that I was overreacting. <laughs> you did. You did. It was a good tweet. It was a good treat. And you did ultimately, I mean, look, the, the piece is ultimately fair because you do eventually get into, oh, wait, we were just talking about two different things. But I was curious when I saw it and clicked on it, I was like, okay, what state of inebriation is Brian in when he wrote this? Is this going to be filled with spelling errors? Is, the, is this going to make any sense at all? I, I wasn't in the best state even, myself to judge. I will so. say that even in those states, I will de- I reread it. Uh, yeah. I reread it before I publish. And then usually, and you probably can tell from the timestamps, I will read it again after it's published and make more changes. Oh, I do that too. I, I edit a piece. I can't, I, I get too excited about getting it out to the world and I get it out to the world before it's ready. Yeah. Every time. Imagine if, Imagine if editors still existed. I wouldn't be in my car all the time going to sell things at farmer's markets. But until then, I am. And I'm taking a picture every day, Dan, because of you. You changed my life today, and I appreciate it. I that. really did. Yeah. I, cha- I gave you – I changed your life and career, and I gave you good advice about keeping a comfortable home. You sure did. That's, that's what we do here. That's what we do that's here. That's why we're here. All right. Let's do it again next week. All right. Talk to you later.